um, let's go ahead and go to Luke chapter 2. We, of course, we're getting into the uh, nitty-gritty season now. We've got to get into Luke 2. How can you not preach from Luke 2 when, we, when we're this close to Christmas? And there's just so many things. And this will be my 26th Christmas here at, at this church. And that's crazy when you think about how fast time flies. And you just think you're going to run out of things to preach from Luke 2. And, uh, of course, a lot of things you can repeat uh, necessary it's necessary to repeat things for remembering we were just as we had a team bible study tonight before church and and uh i mentioned the christmas party and one of the teenagers was like i didn't know it was december 20th and the other team's like he's been announcing it for a while he goes i didn't know it's been announced for a while and uh that's how it is right i can you can announce something say something sometimes for five or six services in a row and then grant called me the other night he's like man dad i really enjoyed your message last night i said yeah I said, I don't even remember what I preached. He goes, I don't even remember it either, Daddy. We both had to look it up and then talk about it. So he was telling me he enjoyed it, but we both forgot what it was. So, you know, that's how life goes sometimes, right? You just forget things. But tonight I want to look at this Luke 2 passage in a little bit of a different way. I want you to look at Luke chapter 2. Let's look at verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from a Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee and out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse, wife being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. The, uh, the older I get and the longer I... Um, pastor and just live this Christian life, the longer I'm a husband and a father, uh, the more I've learned to appreciate the little things of life, the little things. Um, I think society is geared toward big things, you know, big events. I, I think it's an interesting day and age in which we live in when, and probably many of you don't even know about it, uh, but if you follow the news at all, this past week, the, the thing that has dominated the news is whether or not a certain college football team should have gone into the college football playoff or not, right? And that's, there's all kinds of debates about that. And everybody has opinions on that. How many of you did not even know about that? Okay, that's, <laughs> this church is unique that way. For as much as this church is faster than those football, it's a good thing to show this church is very balanced. But that has been a big part of the news, uh, news spotlight last week and uh, over a college football team, right? And I get it, you know, fans are mad or upset or fans are happier and all that stuff. With all the things that are going on in the world today, and you see people dying and, and just the chaos of this world and the society that we live in, sometimes it puts things in perspective and you realize that a football game is not really that, that big of a deal, right? There's a bigger picture of this whole th to this whole, the whole thing that we're living in now. I follow it because I love college football. I know Brother Chuck and I have been texting a little bit about it, and I, I, I'm a big-time college football guy, so it's been, it's been on my radar a little bit. Me and my brother have been talking about it a little bit. But... It just seems like the big things that Americans today are focusing on are the wrong big things. But I think a lot of times our shift in the big things is because we haven't appreciated the little things. I think a lot of times it's the little things that help us get to the big things. When people drive by this highway, they see a big building here, right? I was, uh, we were just talking to somebody this week about our upward basketball program that's starting this spring. And I was talking to the news radio guy and... 
People always say like this, oh, yeah, I know where your church is. It's that big brick building right off Highway 50 in Apache Flats, right? They say big building, right? And it is. It's a big building when you drive down the road and you see it. But there, a big building is always made up of a whole lot of little things. There's a whole lot of little screws in this building, aren't there, Brother Tim? A whole lot of little nails in this building, a whole lot of little pieces of drywall, and, and just a whole lot of little things make up the big things. And when you think of Christmas tonight, okay, we're going to have a little interactive study tonight. I won't be real long, you know that, and we'll do some question and answers if you have any. What are some big things of Christmas? Let's just go ahead and say this. We're in church on Wednesday night. When you think of big things of Christmas, what comes to your mind? Go ahead and raise your hand and say something. Anybody tonight? Say that. The birth of Jesus. I knew that was going to be on there, right? Absolutely. The birth of Jesus Christ. That is the biggest thing, all right? So we get that out of the way. Glad my wife uh, got that out of the way. So that's good, Eric. Is that what you're going to say? A present. Hey. I mean, wait, presence of the baby Jesus or P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S? I was thinking, oh, see, so you're more spiritual. Now. I was thinking of the boxes wrapped up now. All right, presence, we know what Eric meant. Yes, Laura? Santa Claus is definitely one of the big things. All over the malls across America now, men are donning their fake white beards, right? Wonderful. Some of them have real beards, and that's always impressive. I love the kids that tug at the sea, and then you hear the guy yell, ouch, and you know it's a real beard. But anyway, hold on a second. Yes, Nicole? Christmas lights are a pretty big thing of Christmas, yeah. Oh, family's definitely a big thing of Christmas. I agree, Miss Shirt. I love having the family schedule gets rearranged because the family comes in, and and uh, most family that comes in you you love. So there's always those weird ones that come you got to deal with, but thank God for the good ones, right? Yes, Miss Paulette. The Christmas tree is a big deal, yeah. I mean, every house has it as a staple. You got to sit there. Yes, good Hudson. Christmas movies are a big part of Christmas, man. I mean, there's like marathons running. There's the classics, Home Alone, and all those crazy Christmas movies, right? Yes? Christmas music. Although for some people in this room, Christmas music has been playing since August. My little daughter right there that is talking to her mother in church. That one right there. She has been listening to Christmas music since August. Miss Deborah, can you believe that my child listens to Christmas music in August? Endorsed by her dad, but not by her mother. Now, I don't necessarily listen to it as much as she does, but she does. But Christmas music is a big part. Big, when we say big, it's a big part of it. Anybody else? Anybody else thinking just something that comes to your mind? So those are the big things of Christmas. When you think about it, when you look at all the big things of Christmas, there's a lot of little things that have to make those big things happen. Little things. Little things sometimes are behind the scenes things. Somebody had to hang up the lights. Somebody had to go to the store and buy the little box of lights. Somebody has to, well, we used to say, go to the store to buy the presents, Eric. Now they get on Amazon, click, 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 and the boxes show. But you still got to take it out of the box, put it into a different box, or sometimes you use that box to put a different gift in that box. It's amazing because the Amazon boxes now have become presents, too. I mean, present boxes, right? Isn't that a blessing? Uh, but, you know, someone has to take it out, wrap all those presents. Someone has to plan. Um, somebody has to pull out the Christmas tree. Somebody has to decorate it. So, see, see, what we're saying here is we're saying all the big things of Christmas, but there's a whole lot of little things that go into it, right? Around Christmas time, there's, uh, there's, there's our, our diets drastically change. Many people's diets change. Probably a whole lot more sweets. You know, the Chick-fil-A peppermint shake is out right now, and one of my family members really loves it. If you want to get in good with her, you pick up a peppermint shake, and she will get you a $50 Christmas gift. No, okay, but anyway, um, but, you know, there's, there, the, the food of the season changes and so on, right? Uh, a lot of the big things, right, but it takes little things. Someone has to get in the kitchen and prepare that food. and So all the things you brought up and 
So tonight, let's look at the birth of Jesus Christ. And there's, there's three principles. There's three things that, that would seem like they're kind of, they're not that big, but I think they're so important that if we would adopt them in our daily lives, and not just in December, not just at Christmas season, but all year long, it, would, it could help change this world. The first small thing that I see, now you may think it's not really a big thing, but this small thing is what, or you may think it's actually a big thing, but this is actually a small thing. It's a small decision, but it leads to big things, is the concept or principle of willingness. Willingness. You know, the Christmas story is, is so beautiful because of the birth of Jesus Christ. That is, that is the, the climax of it. That is the, uh, that's the draw the curtains back and show the whole world. My wife's right. That's the first thing that came to your mind. First thing that comes to most people's mind is the birth of Jesus Christ. But boy, aren't you glad there was a willing Mary and a willing Joseph? Aren't you glad there was a, a willingness of people to do certain things? And even later on in this chapter, you see shepherds who were, who were displayed with this amazing story, this amazing testimony. And then all of a sudden, they were willing to go and tell the whole world about it. They, they told everybody about it. And they didn't let the fact that they were a shepherd hinder them from that, right? The willingness is so, so significant. Look at verse 1 again. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made, da, da, da. And all went to be taxed. Everyone was So Joseph also from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and Judea. Now, so we can talk about the willingness that they had of, of going to Bethlehem, the willingness they had of, of, of being in the stable. But think about this. They changed their whole plans. Their whole life was transformed by this event. Mary and Joseph were espoused. They, were, they had plans. They were going to get married. Joseph was probably going to take on, based on what we know, his father's carpentry business. And they had dreams and everything. And all of a sudden, an angel interrupted and says, hey, God's got bigger plans for you. But they were willing. And I was thinking about the beautiful principle of willingness in, in our day-to-day -day lives. I think about a soldier who's willing to continue to fight the battles for us and go overseas to keep us safe. The willingness of a homeschool mom to teach. The willingness of of people at Christmas season to decorate the, the tree. The, the willingness, the, the principle, the spirit of willingness is, is something that we have, we have just lost in Christianity. And because of that, we are seeing now a, a growing trend of victimology in Christianity. I'm amazed at how many people are now, and they do it all the time on social media, they, they act like victims of Christianity. Can I tell you something, man? There are always going to be bad experiences. Mary could probably tell you she had plenty of bad experiences on this day, on this, this whole trek, being great with child, and she didn't get to ride in a nice, nice SUV. She didn't sit in a comfortable hospital. She didn't get an epidural. She didn't get all the, the comforts of today. She didn't have someone probably putting ice in her mouth and doctors and nurses checking in on her. But, boy, she, she's, she'd never tell you she was a victim of all the, how that happened here. She would never tell you that. She would tell you it was such a blessing because what you thought was a bad experience, because of my willingness, it became millions of people's good experience. Willingness is a principle that we have got to teach in this next generation again. It's such a little thing. Being willing to do something for somebody else. Being willing and desiring to say, yeah, no problem, I'll do that. Being willing to, 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 to just, just to serve somebody else. To be willing to be a blessing to somebody else. It seems like we live in a society now where we actually think somebody ought to be willing to always do something good for me, but I'm not going to be willing to do the same thing for them. When a Christian should be almost out trying to outwilling each other if there is such a thing. Willingness. The willingness it takes. I always admire my wife's willingness over the Christmas season. I, she, she lets me wrap the uh, stocking stuffers because they don't go under the tree. They go in stockings and nobody sees them and gets pictures of them. 
But my wrapping's better than my brother Nick. My brother Nick used to just put them in three or four bags of Walmart bags and then wrap it all up and then tape the Walmart bags, and that was his wrapping paper. Uh, so some people would argue that maybe I wrapped presents badly on purpose so I could get out of that job. Probably wouldn't be too far from the truth, but I'm not great at wrapping paper, okay? Or wrapping presents, I should say. But my wife's willingness at this time of the year, as are many of you ladies, I just, you, it's like you go a step above to make Christmas special for people you love. The willingness you do things. Number two, I love this one, all right? Little things. The principle of goodness. I love that word goodness. To me, Christmas brings about a spirit of goodness, right? Goodness is a beautiful definition. It's, it means a state or quality of being good. It means to have, live in such a way that you rejoice and you are happy for others' successes. You rejoice and you're happy because somebody else got a blessing. You rejoice and you're happy because somebody else had a good experience. And that's really what Christmas is all about. Now, don't get me wrong. I still love opening up presents. I do. I, I still love opening up presents. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. How many of you remember that song? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, Nikki. I know you're, you're, you're old enough to remember that song. You didn't raise your hand, but you don't like raise your hand, but she knows that song. All right. Uh, but I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Um, but, 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 but the goodness, goodness is, being, is being the parent that gets to watch your children open that present. You knew they were going to be excited about that one present. It's almost like you planned it out because they're going to they're gonna love all the presents they got. But there's that one present or those two presents that they're going to open up, and they're just going to get excited. And, and they're going to be – when you see that they are so happy because you got to be a part of that, what a blessing that is. And that's what Christmas is all about. You see, Mary and Joseph, again, were inconvenienced. They, they said, don't call us victims of, of the situation here. And, and by the way, it didn't just stop there. Their, their, their circumstances – didn't get better when he was born. I mean, they had to start hiding out for their life. They had to go into Egypt. I mean, think about this. God delivered his people from Egypt, and his son had to hide out in Egypt for a little while. Doesn't that sound crazy, right? But still, in all of those things, in all of the chaotic situations, when two-year-olds and younger were being slaughtered by the hands of a wicked ruler, watch this now, Mary and Joseph would still say, we are not victims. We are thrilled because we were willing to do this. God gave us the opportunity to be a part of this big thing in the stage of the birth of the Son of God. And now we've been able to see goodness. I wonder sometimes if Mary's heart grieves in heaven because of how much she's idolized by certain religions on this planet. Stay with me now. But I will tell you this. If she does grieve over those things, she rejoices more so when she sees so many people getting saved by her son. When she saw five men get saved in the prison last Sunday night, she would never get on a social media post and talk about she was a victim of, of, of situations. She would, she would get on there and say, oh, was it the easiest to give birth in a stable? No. Was it scary running for our lives and hiding out in Egypt? Was it difficult? Yes, it was. Did my experiences, would they measure on the good experience scale? Did I have some bad experience? Oh, yes, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Because it's what God wanted me to go through. And by going through that, it made me better. And because of that, I got to be a blessing to somebody else. And millions of people today. And we shouldn't be threatened to give some kudos or shouts to Mary because of that. What a testimony. What a blessing it is to know that we can brag on Mary and Joseph for the things they did to, to bring us the miraculous, to be a part of the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. It's the little thing. You and I still, I feel like today in 2023, should be willing vessels to do whatever it takes to make somebody else have a better day, somebody else have a better Christmas, somebody else have a better life. We should be bringing that goodness to everybody. We should be, we should be trying to bring forth a state or quality of good to people's lives. 
whether it's as a parent to our children or as a, as a, as a fellow church member, as a son, as a husband, as a wife, as a daughter, as a mother, we should be living in such a way that, that somebody else is getting good from it. Somebody else is being blessed by it. And that leads to the third word and the final word, and that's wholesomeness. I love the word wholesome. It's an older English word. We don't say the word wholesome much as we used to. The word whole shows up a few times in the Bible, and, and it's, in the, it's in an older English dialect. We, when we say whole nowadays, it's like, you're going to eat that whole pizza. We mean, are you going to eat all of it, right? But the word whole in its original definition means a completion. It means to finish a project. It means to finish something and give benefit to others. You see, when God finished creating the earth and man in, in six days, it was a wholesome project. God finished his work in six days. There are those out there that teach that God was tired or fatigued, and, and that's why he rested on the seventh day. That's false doctrine. That's not true. God never gets tired. God never gets weary. You know why he rested on the seventh day? Because he was finished with his work. He finished the work. He finished it, and it was wholesome. And that wholesome job, that finished task, that finished job that God did in creating this universe in six days, and on the sixth day, especially creating his most prized possession, which was man, it was a wholesome project. So as we looked at the word willingness, we saw uh, Mary and Joseph being willing. If you look at the, the goodness now, look at Luke chapter 2 again, verse 8. The Bible says, and they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Again, the quality or the state of being good, rejoicing and being happy for others. God said, I'm going to relay this or reveal this birth to shepherds. Shepherds are a lowly, lowly class in society. They were the, the lowest of lows when it came to professions and jobs and careers. And yet God chose to reveal it to them. Why? Because he knew how excited they'd get and it would be goodness that would flow from them. And now we finish with wholesomeness. The word wholesome, which is in such a way it's beneficial to others. Look at verse 18 of Luke chapter 2. The little things again. Being willing, goodness, wholesomeness. I, again, I, I feel like sometimes in this generation today, we're more willing to talk about the negative things of life than we are the good things of life. We're more apt to, we're more willing to listen to the negative things than the good things. The average American gets more excited when there's a fight rather than there's a blessing or when there's a praise. We are intrigued more by negative news than we are positive news. We want to see a fight more than, I mean, when I was a public school kid, man, Chuck, you remember what it was like when kids were getting fight in the hallways, man? It was like, oh, my goodness. They would try to make sure no teachers would find out because everybody wants to watch it. But my mama taught me to always break up those fights. When I was a big boy, they had two jobs that day. Number one, find a secret place. Number two, keep Diggy away from it because he's going to break up the fight. When I was a big boy, I'd break up all those fights. Because I didn't want two kids fighting each other in the school. I mean, go out in the front yard and fight. I'd be for that, but not in the school, right? Especially when girls fight because then they pull each other's hair out and hair's all over the place. It's just a catastrophe, right? What are you saying, Brother Randy? I'm saying, preacher, this is what I'm saying tonight. I'm saying living in such a way where we see wholesomeness, where what we do is beneficial to somebody else. And here's what the shepherds do. When they got to be a part of Mary and Joseph's willingness, when they got to be a part of all the goodness that's going on, they then were willing, and then they got to be a part of the goodness. And it becomes a beautiful cycle that spreads amongst the community. And look at number, verse number 18. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds, so the shepherds took off and started telling everybody about this, right? Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Things. 
What kind of things? Little things, big things, medium-sized things. They were all things that they witnessed. This world could use some Christians that would learn some powerful truths from this simple chapter, these simple few verses here of being willing and bringing fact, willingness, goodness, and wholesomeness. It is the little things that make a difference. The little things set the stage for the big thing. And we can make a difference in this universe. Amen. Hedge about as you close. Thank you for listening so well tonight. All is calm and all is bright everywhere but in your heart tonight. They're singing carols of joy and peace, but you feel too far gone and too far out of reach. Somewhere in your silent night, Heaven hears the song, your broken heart is cried. Hope is here, just lift your head, for love has come to find you somewhere in your silent night. From heaven's height to manger low, there is no distance, the Prince of Peace won't go. From manger low to Calvary's hill, when your pain runs deep, his love runs deeper still. He has always loved you, child, and he always will. Somewhere in your silent night, Heaven hears a song, your broken heart is cried. Hope is here, just lift your head, for his love has come to find you somewhere in your silent night. Lift your head and lift your heart. Emmanuel will meet you where you Somewhere in your silent night, heaven hears the song, your broken heart is cried. Hope is here, just lift your head, for love has come to find you. Somewhere in your silent night, love will find you. Oh, love will find you, love will find you.